You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Ryan's here with me. Hi, Ryan. Howdy, Michael. It's good to have you guys with me. Um, Amanda Klutz is on the show. If you don't know her, very inspirational. She's on the talk. She has a, a crazy, inspiring, tragic story to tell. And uh, it was really wonderful having her on the um, on the podcast. We'll get to that in just a minute. But I appreciate it. if you enjoy the podcast today and you're here for Amanda. Uh, I hope maybe you'll subscribe, write a review, and and stick around because uh, you know I think you'll like the show. Uh, tell them about the handles they could follow us on the uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Inside of You Pod on Twitter at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. That's correct. And uh, if you want to, yeah, you can watch on YouTube. You could listen to the podcast pretty much everywhere and write a review. Tell us what you think. Also, um, I got merch on the Inside of You online store: Lex Luthor stuff, Smallville stuff, Inside of You stuff. Uh, also, the band sunspin.com. You could book Zooms with me and uh, Rob from the band, and you could book the band, and you can get a bunch of cool merch there, sunspin.com. And lastly, patreon.com. If you want to join the wonderful family that subscribes uh, and gives a little more to the podcast, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to help the podcast a little more, join Patreon. Just go to patreon, P A T R E O N.com slash inside of you, and uh, I'll send you a message thanking you. And uh, you can join the family and there's a lot of goodies there. Yeah. Thank you for watching the stage at show last week. We had a great time and um, it was nice seeing everybody out there and listening to us play music. Ryan, good week. Yeah. Okay. Week. Yeah. Not too shabs. Not too shabs. Did you leave that stuff we talked about um, in the podcast about COVID? Yeah. I left the whole thing. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. It was a good, it was a good conversation. I, thought uh, it was I, think, a, I think it was helpful. I think it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if anyone it's also out there- talking about like, you know, confronting, you know, things that might bother you, you know, we talked something through we did. a little more so we understood each other. We did. And I also thought it was helpful if anyone thinks they may or may not have the disease and, you know, what to sort of do about it. And this was sort of a yeah. situation. And yeah. I think it might help anyone out there who... Um, doesn't exactly know what to do. Doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. In other words, might be it, confronted with that situation and how to handle it. Yeah, exactly. If you're feeling sick or a little down, you're like, ah, it's probably nothing. Go get tested. Go get tested. I mean, you just be careful. Uh, let's just go right into this and stick around. Uh, we'll talk goodies. I read Patreon names, uh, top tier patrons and a bunch of other stuff. But right now, let's just get inside of the wonderful, beautiful Amanda Klutz. It's my point of view. Listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. You're an inspiration. I, I, I read all your posts, which either make me cry or make me smile. The little boy Elvis uh-huh. is just to die for. He's the sweetest little thing I've ever seen in my life. And um, and you've got this book out, live your life. And obviously I haven't read it yet. I'm a slow reader, but I, I assume it's about, I mean, do you put, lay everything pen to paper? Do you put everything out there? Like everything you could think of as dark as you, your mind gets, do you write it down? Or are there some things that you go, you know what, this is too much. No, I really did. We wrote the honest story of exactly what happened. And I'm very honest about everything about Nick and I's relationship, the highs and the lows, the everything that we I went through at the hospital, 
the battles that we fought on a daily basis with the hospital, um, all, all of the things, it's all in there. And I think that's what's special about this book. For anyone that followed the story, you think you know the story because you were with me every day following it. But what you don't know is that, you know, oftentimes on social media, we, we, share, we share the tip of the iceberg and you're not seeing what is underneath the water. Right. I mean, it's a lot and we'll get there. I want to get there, but I do want to, I want, I want to talk about like the Amanda Klutz before all this happened, before you got into the acting and were one of the hosts of the talk and wrote a book and went through all this, you know, drama for lack of a better word again. But I mean, what was life like back? I mean, you, this sounds like a Stephen King title, Plain Township, Stark County, Ohio. I know. Is that where you're from? Yeah. <laughs> what, what did you do in Plain Township? I don't even know what that means. Plain Township. It's a township that's plain in Stark County, Ohio. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of, you know, farms. And um, I mean, honestly, though, I with my neighborhood, it looks like a Norman Rockwell painting. Uh, it was beautiful covered tree-lined covered streets uh dairy queen at the corner my elementary school <laughs> at the corner you walked to school white picket fences green grass um you know we would be playing down the street and my dad would just do a huge whistle and it was like oh time to go home dinner's ready gotta go leave it Cassie. to beaver it was leave it to beaver in a lot of ways it was leave it to beaver yes it was I oh mean, my gosh oftentimes my mom and dad didn't even know where we were i mean we just had to hear the whistle and we knew it was time to come home for dinner so i mean growing up was it was it did you have a pretty fun life i mean were your parents cool did you have good relationships with them <laughs> growing up was great i have one brother four sisters um Anna, my little sister who wrote the book with me is seven years younger. So when Anna was born, she was like our real life Barbie doll, our baby doll, not Barbie doll, baby doll. <laughs> um, and we, you know, we were a big old happy family, family vacations um, wow. every summer to Hilton Head Island. We'd all pile in the van, you know, Friday nights you're watching, you know, a movie that we all rented from video time, you know, I, ice cream parties, family dinner every night at 6 p.m., church every Sunday. I mean, it was... What? Yeah. So you I mean, I mean was, most people either avoid that if they had such a great childhood, they don't like to share it. But, you know, the, the juxtaposition of, like, what you've gone through, it's really nice to know that you had this. I mean, that's a nice through line. I mean, backwards, but... Oh, my you know. God. No, it's because of that that I am the person I am today, that my family, you know, that my sister and brother came to rescue me at the time that they did, that, you know, it, we're, we're each other's best friends. Uh, we really are. My my mom and dad taught us to always put family first. And, uh, and we really, we really do. We love each other so much. If we could all live in the same block, we would. I, I honestly, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but I can't say the same for my family. I, I don't, you know, Ryan, my engineer here, my buddy, he just saw his, uh, his girlfriends. He went to see their family for like nine days and I got an anxiety. I got an anxiety attack from that. <laughs> Do you understand? I couldn't be with, I, look, I love my family, but I could, I can't last more than two days with them. It's just, there's a, yeah. but there's a difference with us. There's, it's just, it's, it was highly dysfunctional growing up. It was sort of a mess. So I can understand why you could gravitate towards that. It's some normalcy. 
real love. They they listened to you when you when you told them you wanted. I mean, what age did you want to go into entertainment, and how did they respond? I wrote an essay in sixth grade about <laughs> wanting to be a Radio City Rockette and on Broadway. And then when I was in high school and I started doing the musicals in high school, that's when I was like, I think this is what I want to do. I took some good convincing, though. My dad especially was like, you know, you should go to a four-year college. And then if you really still believe that you want to do this, go to New York then. And I was like, you know, no, dad, I have to go to New York now. (laughs) And um, luckily got into AMDO, which is a two-year musical theater conservatory. And he finally, my mom and my dad finally said, okay, you can do this. But just know that if it doesn't work out, the money for the two years that you're going to be spending in New York is this equivalent to the four years we spent on your brother and sisters. So after these two years, if if nothing happens, you're on your own and you're 20 years old without a college degree. And I said, I don't care. I want to do this. And so they they let me. Because deep down, you knew they'd still help you. I think yes, of course, <laughs> but I also deep down knew that I was going to do it. So, right. So I have an intuition like that. So how long from this time you started this thing, this two-year program, till you started to see some success and things started turning around a little bit? I mean, it happened pretty fast. Two days before I graduated, I booked my first national tour of a Broadway show. And what was that? 42nd Street. Two days before it ended, you called your parents and they're like, oh, two days left. She's got shit going on. There's nothing going on. And you got this. And they were, were they screaming on the phone? Oh, my gosh, of course. I saw 42nd Street 10 times in the front row, student tickets. Um, I worked my butt off. I went to that audition twice before and got cut right away. It was the third time I auditioned for the show. I had worked really hard on my singing and my tap dancing, especially because that show was all tap. And so when I got that job, it was, it was, a, I mean, it was huge. It was huge. What's your thing? What would you rather do, sing or dance? Are you equally good at both of those? No, I'm much more, I, I was trained as a dancer and then I learned how to sing in college or you know, at the conservatory, but I didn't actually really learn how to sing and use my voice until I was doing Broadway shows. And when did the Broadway started to happen? When, when did that happen? Well, 42nd Street was the Broadway national tour of the revival that was on Broadway at the time. Right. So Do those pay was, well, by the way? Are those like something that you, well, they make? What is, how does that work? Well, it just depends. <laughs> Back in the day, you would die to get a Broadway show national tour because you would make Broadway salary, but then you would also make per diem on top of that. And if you were smart with your per diem, you could basically bank your salary and live off of like half of your per diem. So a lot of actors would prefer to be on a national tour because of those contracts. You could you could come home from a national tour and buy a home, you know, or buy a, an apartment. Um, and then, you know, as the world changes, those contracts started getting kind of um, torn apart. And so the 42nd Street National Tour job that I got was the first of the, they called them the CETA contracts. And my salary was about an eighth of what an, a, an actual Broadway salary should have been. And our wow. per diem was, again, about like a fourth of what it should have been. But I was 20. I didn't care. I was like, I would have done the job for free. I remember the first day that they said, paychecks are here. Come get your paycheck. I looked at my girlfriend. And I was like, 
oh my gosh, that's right. We get paid. Like I, I completely forgot. I just was so happy to be there dancing. Isn't it funny how he gets so jaded? The yes. first thing we're saying is like, well, how much do I get for that now? We're not I like, I'll know. do it. I'll just do it. I just want to ask. I want to dance. I want to, right? What happened? Now it's like, I mean, look, if the right job what comes along, you have a family and a house and a mortgage payment and car payments. And at 20, you're, you know, you're living in a college dorm or you're sharing an apartment with 10 people. So you don't have to worry about all that. Stuff. By the way, I think I would be more at, I mean, look, if Spielberg ever called or any of these big directors and said, we want you to do this part. I wouldn't care about money at all. I'm like, I'm in. I don't yeah. care. There's certain jobs you don't care about. But when you take right. most jobs, it's like, all right, I got to I gotta pay for my mortgage right. here. I got to do these. Right. I got to pay for my mom's mortgage. I got to yes. help my sister out. These are things yeah. that I have to do, uh, by the way. Right. Um, right. When did your parents finally first see that show? How soon after you went on tour? Um, they came to quickly after we opened, we opened at Kansas city starlight theater, which is an outdoor amphitheater, very much similar to the Hollywood bowl. And it was magical. But then like two cities later, we were in, um, Columbus or no Cincinnati, Ohio. And because I'm from Ohio, that's where they first saw the show, drove down to Cincinnati and saw it there. Did you get nervous? Do you get more nervous when people are there? No, not my family. Um, no, you know, if I am nervous, I'll get nervous a little bit before. But then once I'm on stage, I go, it goes away immediately. Even no matter what I do um, performing wise, it's always if there's nerves, it's just right there. in the uh, You know, but that fuels my fire. I actually use it to help my adrenaline. I bet your dad cried. I'm going to I'd put all my money on it. Oh, they all did. They all did. They yeah. were all crying afterwards. They came up to you. Like, oh, man, I did. We just knew it. Even though it was two days before you graduated. We knew it was going to happen. And we were going to help you if you didn't make it. You know that, right? Yeah, it was that. Yes, that was a big day. I would say my dad and, and my mom probably teared up more so when I did the Radio City Rockets, though, and they were at that opening night. That opening night for them was, you know, my dad still, no matter where we are, no matter what I do in my life, if we're sitting at a restaurant, he'll be like, to the waitress, my daughter was a Radio City Rockette, you know. That's, Ooh, you know. <laughs> I want to hear. I want to hear about that first. Like, I, want... I could win an Oscar, and he would still talk about, you know, his daughter that's a Radio City Rockette. <laughs> that, see, that's pretty sweet. You know, I remember doing theater in college, and then after, after college was over in New York, like off Broadway. But I'm talking off, off like New Jersey Broadway. <laughs> Wasn't really Broadway, but <laughs> you know that little click that they have, the green room click, the. Uh, all those actors backstage. It's more drama than you can imagine. I'm sure you know that more than anyone. Yeah. Doesn't everybody just sleep with everybody on these tours? Did you experience that on these tours where people just banging everybody? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, what happens on tour stays on tour. It is a crazy life, and you are not too far from the truth, my friend. Yeah, I assume. Did you, Were there any loves, though, that you kind of fell in love with like um, early on? Uh, on the Broadway you know, circuit? Well, I met both of my husbands in shows, but on Broadway shows. On tour, um, I never fell in love with anybody, but I saw a lot of relationships and a lot of people doing things they shouldn't be doing late at mm. night. You know, tour is such a alternate lifestyle. You have no responsibilities. You are in these weird cities, in hotel rooms, and 
you have you can sleep all day. The only thing you have to do is go to your show at night and then the show ends and you have nothing to do but go to the bar next door and stay there way too long and then past 2 a.m. things start happening that they shouldn't happen. So, so th- yeah, this is exactly why pe- you guys out there listening, you always hear about these Hollywood, you read the tabloids, it's so much fun because everybody's cheating and all these big movie stars. It starts out at an early age. It starts out on tour. It starts out yeah. in the green room in college. You get a lot of alone time. A lot yeah. of, uh, you know, I'm lonely. I, yeah. I And you want to have fun. And, and you're talent young. talent is sexy. Talent is sexy. When you see somebody all of a sudden that you don't think is cute, get up there and like belt out a song and then go into a dance and then the audience applaud. You're like, wow, you know, he's cute. I, why am I all of a sudden liking, you know, Matt? Isn't that <laughs> funny how people, like women, tell me if I'm wrong, I mean, you, you like funny guys, you like, or, or, or talented guys. So you see sure. talent, even if you might not look at them on the street, if you didn't know them and you walk by and you'd be like, you, I wouldn't look twice at this guy. He gets yeah. up there and belts something out. Maria, I just met a girl, right? And you just like, yeah. holy shit. You know why? why? It shows vulnerability. It's like you're, you're, you know, showing your soul, especially with, I think, anything live, live music, live theater. You know, you're like you're being real and raw. You there's like an honesty that you have to like get to and and showcase. You know, you're crying in front of people. You're you're being brave in front of people. You're you know, it's you're showing your different colors. It's I think and it's I think that's what makes it attractive. So when you you were talking about a while ago, you said like in sixth grade or seventh grade that you wanted to be a rock set. Was that right? Mm-hmm. You wrote this thing out saying I want to be a rock set at at, at right. whatever years old. And right. now, how old before you get your audition for the rock sets? Rock sets, rock set, rock cats. Did I say? You know why? <laughs> because you know why? Because rock set is one of my favorite eighties bands, and I keep saying it. Remember that song? She's got the look. What in oh, the yeah. world can make a bright eyed boy turn blue? Oh yeah, good song. You yeah. say sorry. So not rock set, yeah, the rock cats. Yeah, no, it's you- okay. Um, yes, the, it's the Rockettes. Yes. So um, the Rockettes, I uh, first auditioned for the Rockettes when I was going to school in, in New York. I auditioned for the national tour of the Rockettes because at the time there was the Radio City crew and then there were Rockettes in all these other cities doing the Christmas show in St. Louis or in Columbus or Chicago. So I thought I would go to those auditions and maybe have a better chance at getting that job first. And I got cut. And then I went back again to another audition and got cut. And so my third audition again was for the actual Radio City Rockets. And that was while I was on tour with 42nd Street. And um, I flew from L.A. to New York to that audition, spent two days it was like a thousand girls there. They needed 12. And after two days, I ended up getting the job. Those high kicks. I mean, how hard is that to get those <laughs> kicks right? And what was it in the first two auditions that you think that, that they give you notes like, well, you know, your heels to the right uh, too much. I don't know what you do. You're doing yeah. something wrong. They tell you what you're doing wrong so you can come back and correct it. Oh, yeah. Your head was... Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, they, they'll say like looking to the sun. So like your chin is like, you're looking to the sun, but if it's this way, you're like, you know, your chin was an inch low. So you got to lift it up or, you know, your pinky was out. So you put it in. I mean, it is so detailed. I mean, it's, it's all about 
you know, being uniform. So you have to be like, it's precision, precision dance at its best. You're like a Marine. So, You're like the Marines. Yeah. It's like everything yeah. has to be precise. Yeah. The goal, the goal of the Rockettes is to not stick out, right? You don't want to be an individual. You want to be one of 36. So the hard, honestly, the hardest thing about the kicks is that you have to kick its eye high. So your toe to your eye. So it can't be higher. It can't be lower. So it's not necessarily, it's not like, oh my gosh, is it so hard to kick your, your, do the eye high, do the high kicks. It's, it's more so you have to hit a target that is like right in front of you. That is like a laser beam that no one else can see except, you know, your imagination. And that's, I think that's the hardest part about the kicks. Was that the, go ahead. Oh, that in like, when I was a rocket, I did five shows in one day. So it was, you know, you're doing, you know, a ridiculous amount of, of activity <laughs> i mean i i guess the first time you auditioned you just it was like you were shit kicking you were just trying to in, in a way you're probably trying to stand out when you weren't supposed to stand out no uh, well i knew not to stand out um my first two auditions i just i, I you have to learn it, it's a process you just you know it, and it's intimidating you're auditioning at the grand hall at radio city music hall there's a lot of girls everybody looks the same because it's again about having a certain look and height. Um, so I think it was just about like learning and being confident and, and getting super sharp in your dancing and, and, you know, you have to be good. And I just, I wasn't good enough the first two times Then I got good. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's 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 like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. Inside of you is brought to you by Neurohacker, Qualia Synaletic. Let me tell you something. If you haven't tried this, you are missing out. I just sent this to my mom. I have it. I use it. It's a product that I didn't, I, they weren't even my sponsor when I was using this. And I was like, wow, why do I have more focus or energy? Why do I feel better? Why do I feel different? It's because I take Qualia Synaletic, Neurohacker. Look, if someone would have told me, Ryan, 
that there are science-backed ingredients that could help me feel 15 years younger in a matter of months. I wouldn't have believed it, but uh, I tried quaiocinolytic and the rest is history. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle-aged feeling. Also known as zombie cells, they're old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, quaiocinolytic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And... You just take it two days a month. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all the ingredients together. And Neurohacker Quiacinolytic has a 100-day money-back guarantee. Oh, I have, I have more energy. Uh, I feel younger. Uh, I'm more productive. I will tell you that. I'm more productive. And uh, I feel like I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more enthusiastic about my life. I definitely feel that. And uh, for me, the aches and pains are less lessened by this. So that is a real important thing for me. Help resist aging at the cellular level, folks. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside. Neurohacker, N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R. Neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Inside of you is brought to you by Neurohacker, Qualia Synaletic. I just sent some of this to my mother and she's starting to notice the differences mm-hmm. in herself. And, she, and because I noticed my mother was always had brain fog and, and she couldn't think clearly. And, and, you know, and, and I, I was like, well, this stuff works for me. And what's great is I didn't even, they weren't even a sponsor when I started using this. Um, Have you heard of Synaletics yet? Well, listen, it's a class of ingredients discovered less than 10 years ago, and they're being called one of the biggest discoveries of our time for helping to promote healthy aging and helping to enhance your physical prime. Your life goals in your career and beyond require productivity. But let's be honest, the aging process is not our friend when it comes to endless energy and productivity. That's why I use Qualia Senolytic. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, hello, sluggish mental and physical energy, hello, associated with that middle age feeling, hello. Also known as zombie cells, they are old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, Qualia Senolytic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And you just take it two days a month. That's it. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all ingredients together. And they must believe in their product because they have a 100-day money-back guarantee. It's pretty amazing. I felt higher energies. Uh, I feel uh, more focused. Um, Younger. I have to say, because a lot of these things make me feel younger. I feel more uh, productivity happening in my life, a little more enthusiastic. Help resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code 
inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's episode. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The products and statements are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Do you remember the conversation when you when you called your dad and said, I'm a rock set? Rock set. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in the um, band rock set. Yeah, I do. I um, Well, ironically, my parents had, had flown into New York for the two days that I had the audition. And, you know, the first day you go through many cuts. The second day they give you a call back. So you come back, they go through a lot of cuts. My dad picked me up at the stage door of Radio City. And um, after the second day, we all went to a big family dinner. And he said, like, how'd it go? And I was like, I think I did good, dad. You know, I don't know. And I had to fly back the next day to LA to go back on tour with 42nd Street. So I landed at LAX and I was walking off the plane. I saw that I had an email saying, please call us. And I'm walking through LAX. And still to this day, when I pass this spot at LAX airport, I'm like, that's where I found out that I got to be a Radio City Rocket. And I, I called them immediately afterwards and they were floored. They were so excited. And was it the biggest achievement I mean, yes, at that time of your life, was it better than getting 42nd Street? Was it better than anything you had done? Like, I'm a Rockette. Oh, yeah, you know, that. I think that was, a, that was a huge achievement because 42nd Street was still a national tour. It wasn't like my Broadway debut, um, which Broadway debut came after Rockettes. But yeah, the Rockettes was a huge, that was a lifelong dream of mine. And that, I, like I said, it was a thousand girls. They needed 12. So that That's it was, remarkable. it was a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Now I'm not comparing Laker girls to Rockettes, the Rockettes. I'm not going to do that. I'm not saying that, but I know for a fact that Laker girls, Laker girls, do you know, every time they go to dance, he, the guy, I think he just gets paid to say, liquor girls oh <laughs> that's what he does i'm like that's the only thing that guy says but they don't get paid very much like they i hear they get paid a hundred dollars a night oh wow now rockettes they got to get paid pretty well right no we are treated so well you get paid very well you get um you know you have beautiful dressing rooms they have a full like floor of pt for you um that you know you can go to at any time ice baths that we all go into right after the show they give you scholarship money so that on the off season you can go to school and wow. further your education they give you money to um you know uh, do dance classes so that you can you know keep your uh, you know your ability up it is a it is a very very good job for a one k you know it's wonderful what? they treat you very well. Oh, this yeah. is remarkable. I don't think anybody knows any of this. They assume yeah. it's probably a low paying job. That's just like they make a lot of money, but the girls don't make a lot of money. But they you're saying they treat you right. And you did you know what you were getting into in terms of uh, the PT room and all these scholarships and all these. Thing, you had no idea until you were a no. rocket. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, again, I was I was making pennies on the 42nd Street tour, but happy as a clam. And when I got that job, I was like, I make this. Wow. And I get all I get this, too. And I can, like, go to school to get my, you know, yoga certification and teach yoga like, oh, cool. And you know, I mean, no, I was, I was 22 years old. Oh, I, I was like, I was green as all get out. How many guys were coming on to you? I mean, a rocket has to be the coolest thing to say. I'm going out with a rocket. <laughs> I mean, you had to be hit on. I mean, obviously you're a very pretty girl anyway, very talented, all these things, Cheers. but to be a rocket, 
is like that's that's like a Dallas Dallas Cowboy cheerleader back in the day, right? I Michael, I really, you know, I I never really had a lot of boyfriends. I honestly and or dated a lot. I so that, honestly, that really did not happen to me too much. You fall fast, is what you're saying. You fall for someone quickly, and then that's it. You're a monogamous one guy on the um, girl. No, you know, I don't think I fall for somebody fast. Actually. Um, I just, you know, I met my first husband in a show and again, like, I think just like the repetitive, um, seeing somebody every day and then seeing their talent every day and it just became attractive. And then I'm a, I'm a person that, uh, is friendly first. And then through friendship, I start to like you. Huh? I think well that's interesting that's that's probably the smart thing to do you get to know someone I like this person I like how they make me feel they make me laugh they're fun to be around and then things start to happen yeah natural organic I guess yeah I don't know I mean and then that's how I met Nick too so yeah and I you, don't know now I'm now I'm screwed because I'm on a talk show with all women so <laughs> the talk. Well, Jerry O'Connell just joined our show, so he did because they said that it was uh, the deal was breaking soon, so it broke. Yes, yeah, it broke today. Yes. So now yes, you got a know. dude on the show, which is probably fun for you because it's like talking oh, it's to girls wonderful. the whole time. Probably got boring for you. You do that. It's wonderful. No, Jerry brings so much energy, and um, I love having you know the male energy there, and it's it's great. No, Jerry's the best. He actually. I did the Hollywood Bowl with his wife, Rebecca. We did the producers at the Hollywood Bowl together. And then Jerry and I did Crazy For You at Lincoln Center together in New York. So I've known Jerry for a while. So it's wonderful to now be working with him on the talk. How old were you when you got Bullets Over Broadway, the musical? I was 31. 31. So so last month. Ah, You just got it. Um, bullets over Broadway. That was a big thing for you, right? Yeah, it was a big deal. Cause it was Woody Allen directing with Susan Stroman and, um, slated to be, you know, the next big, big show on Broadway. I got that job thinking I would be on Broadway for three years. I'd be able to have three kids and, you know, have, you know, be able to buy a house. Were you already divorced when you were doing bullets? No, I was still with my first husband and, um, he was doing the national tour of Book of Mormon. So he was on, he was leaving for tour as I was starting Bullets Over Broadway. So it was hard because when you're starting a Broadway show, you have no life and you can go nowhere. Traveling is not an option. And then he's on the road on the West Coast leading the Book of Mormon tour, you know, doing a crazy tour schedule. He can't leave either. So we left each other knowing that we wouldn't see each other often and that we were going to be on different sides of the country. And I knew from being on three national tours, like we talked about just a second ago, Mm -hmm. what tour life is like. So are you insinuating something happened while he was on tour? I'm insinuating that tour life is crazy and, um, my husband was always the life of the party, and he's a good guy. But yeah, tour life is is crazy. So that kind of uh, sizzled out after a while. How long did that take before it kind of just you started hearing things, or he was honest with you? How does that work? There were things in our marriage that had happened uh, throughout our six years of being married married together, um, and you know you work through them. I ne- I never got married to get divorced, so it was always something that like you know we just worked through, and um, and then you know tour just uh, 
accentuated those problems and made everything that we always kind of fought and dealt with even worse. And, um, and it's okay now, you know, you, you look at things retrospectively and it was honestly the best thing that ever happened to me getting a divorce and going our separate ways. We got married very young. And I think that, you know, we found out that we actually weren't the perfect person for each other. And that's okay. You know, it was a very, very hard, awful thing to go through. Oof. I'm not trying to put it lightly because it wasn't at all. But now retrospectively, I can look back and be like, you know what? It's all good. How do you put things aside, though, while you're sitting there doing a Broadway show with Woody Allen directing all these big names and you're it's Broadway and all these things are happening, materialize, materializing in front of you? How do you how do you just separate them? How do you go to work and just separate it? How do you do that? That's got to be a, a mind fuck. Sorry for my language. It, First F bomb no, of the day. It totally is all day. And then you walk into a theater and you put makeup on that makes you look like an accentuated version of yourself. Then you put a wig on. It makes you feel like you're not yourself. And then you put on a really cool costume and then you really don't feel like yourself. And then you're with this whole family that, um, you have an extremely close and different and new relationship with. And then after the show ends, you go to the bar next door and drown your sours because you don't want to go home and sit at your house by yourself. And so then you get drunk and then you repeat the next day. And that was my life. That, that was how I coped with it. And what was it like working with Woody Allen? Was he just kind of quiet and distant and just did his job and then left and you didn't really get to talk to him? Like that's, that's how it feels it probably would be like. Yeah, yes, yes, most of the time. And then you had like the the rare occasions where he would come over and do cast notes and, um, and you know, you kind of had to like pinch yourself that like Woody Allen's giving cast notes, but he was very quiet. He would, he watched everything, all the previews and always had opinions and things. But um, yeah, he was, he was very quiet. He did his own thing. He was always, you know, his wife was there and his daughter was there a lot. And, um, and they were always, always very kind and, and, but quiet for sure. So Nick Cordero. When you first met him on Bullets Over Broadway, obviously you're married, you're going through all these yeah. things. You probably didn't think not anything of it at first, right? Yeah. You're just no. working together. Yeah. There's how many people in this uh, the show? Oh, gosh. The cast was probably, I don't know, like 25 people. Right. So when was the first time that you, you said, huh? Mm. Hmm. We, um, you know, I had known Nick because we did the reading of this show. So when a Broadway show conceptualizes they usually do like a reading like a year before or sometimes even years before. So I had met Nick before. So when we started rehearsals, yeah, it was nothing. I was, I was happily married, um, you know, or I thought so, or trying to be so. Um, so I just saw Nick as like, you know, a cool guy in the cast. Um, but also like, you know, Nick was going through his own change. He was a starving actor living in Williamsburg and a friend's, you know, with, like three other roommates. I mean, to me, he kind of looked like a big, like a mess a little bit, like a hot mess a bit, um, <laughs> but charming and talented and funny and extremely tall. And you can't not look at him when he walks in the room because he's six, five dark hair and like, you know, playing the leading man next to Zach Braff. And so you're like, you know, okay, this guy's interesting. 
Um, and it was one night we were finishing a preview. No, we had opened the show. So you do previews of a Broadway show, then you have your big opening night, then the show's open. So we had opened the show and we were at the bar next door having, you know, you know, drinks celebrating. And Nick and I sat down at the bar and we just talked the whole night. And it was just one of those, it's in the book, but it's one of those like movie sequences where like, you see the couple talking at the bar and they're in like real time, but everything around them is happening in like four times the speed. And, you know, it came to be like three o'clock in the morning and, you know, the bar is almost empty and we're still chatting. And I was like, obviously I had to go. I was teaching fitness in the morning. And I remember walking to the subway being like, Oh no, do I like this guy? But exactly what I said, like, that's what happens to me. Like I'm just friends with friends, friends. And then all of a sudden, I like you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You see all everything about the person. You're like, Oh, you you probably see all the good, the bad. And then, huh? That's interesting. So when, when, how long did it take before, you know, did did he make the first move? Did he kind of say, Hey, no, he had (laughs) nothing to do with me because I was, I was married, you know? Uh, Um, And to everyone in the Broadway world, which is a very small world. I was married. I was not letting anyone know that my marriage was falling apart, that things were happening. Certain people in the cast knew, my girlfriends in the cast knew. And that night I confided a lot to Nick about things that were going on. And he was confiding into me about um, his past relationships. And so we had this like big, like kind of heart to heart, but yeah, nobody knew. And so the last thing Nick wanted to do and this, you know, Bullets Over Broadway was a huge um, life changer for him. He got nominated nice. for Tony. Yeah. He was, you know, he was the star of the show, essentially. So he didn't want to get into any scandal, you know? So he was like, he was kind of like, Amanda, you know, I like, I think you're cool, but like, also you're married and I can't be seen with a married woman. So even as we slowly started to like hang out, he would always be like, you know, meet me on, on the corner or something like that. <laughs> it was all secretive. You know? Yeah, because he was so scared to like ruin his reputation at a time where he was finally being recognized in the Broadway community for his his artistry. So he's being respectful is what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. But so, then, you know, yes. which, which made me just want to be like, you know, no, you know, meet me here, and, and it doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> so, w- when was it? When was that moment? Do you remember the moment you're like, okay, this is, I think this is going somewhere. We're hanging out a lot. We're talking. Now, yeah. maybe we can take this moment. And, yeah, and it's it in the book. Jumbled. It's in the book. Live your life, which you guys must read. I mean, she she really divulges everything here, and and you're that kind of person. And so, look, uh, it's a New York Times bestseller for Christ's sakes. Read read the thing. But go ahead. No, it was um, it was July. We were um, we were still doing the show. My marriage was was really over. Uh, you know, I we had talked about you know officially kind of separating, taking that break, and um, and Nick took me on a date, like an official, like okay, this is an official, like first date, and because um, again, you know, when you're doing a show together, you're hanging out a lot, you're right. going to the bar after the show a lot, but none of that's not, not, it's not like a date. You know what I mean? It's, it's not a date at all, but you're hanging out all the time. So he asked me out like on a date date and we took me out to dinner at this beautiful restaurant in Washington Heights. And that was, so that was July 6th. 
So we always celebrated that day as like our, our first date. And then ironically, you know, he passed away on July 5th. Um, so it's crazy, you know, timing wise, but. So after that, you, you kind of knew you had spent enough time with him. You were friends, you were working together. And after that first date on July 6th, yeah. you felt like, Hey, this is it. And how fast was it after that, that you guys were together? Pretty fast. I mean, pretty fast. Yeah, pretty fast. But we, we, we had lots of issues. We had lots of fights and broke up. Like, uh, I mean, definitely broke up three times. The last time that we broke up, I, we, we both thought it was over. So we, we fought, we could fight really well together. What was it? Were you both just kind of the same a, a personalities in a lot of ways? No, that was, we were exact opposite. Nick, um, you know, Nick's like a dreamer and <laughs> like, you know, I mean, so am I, but in a different way, um, you know, he, you know, he's just, you know, smoke weed and just kind of like listen to music, lay on the bed, look at the ceiling, kind of, you know, think about things and, you know, while he's done that for three hours, I've taught 10 fitness classes, answered all my emails, and I'm about to create another company. You know? So you would get upset. You're like, would you get up and go do something? For Christ's sakes, you're just sitting here. Smokey's like, hey, I was nominated for a Tony, so I'm going to sit here for yeah. a while and smoke some yeah. tea. Yeah, and, you know, we fought about, um, you know, I was in a different place in my life. I was going through a divorce. So I had already had seven years of marriage, and I was looking at my life as, like, where, what am I doing now? I want, you know, I'm on my own now. Um, I've lost that security. I have to create things for myself. I have to figure out how to make money for myself. I want a home one day. I want a family one day. How am I going to make that happen? And yeah, and Nick's career was just starting. So he was kind of just being like, you know, in that, in that mindset. So, and, and we thought about religion. He was not religious. I was. And so we had a lot of, we had a lot of issues. This sounds amazing how really the love of your life, like how it was meant to be to get together, but like you did fight. It wasn't perfect. It was your opposite people. You were doing two different things. You were getting out of this marriage. I mean, it's pretty incredible how you came together. What made that happen? Was it just like, regardless of the fights, regardless of whatever, there was this underlying love, this sort of, I want to be with you. I want to take care of you, each other. Yeah. I know. I, you know, it's funny. I, I don't know. You know, Nick, when we were dating, he would always say like, we're so different. We should not be together. And I, and I would be like, what do you mean? Um, <laughs> because we were, we were, it was so different. And um, I think, yeah, I think there was underlying love. I think, you know, Nick, in the end, uh, our last breakup, his father passed away or got cancer and then ended up passing away. And in his father getting cancer at a young age and passing away, I think he it made him really um, just kind of realize like, you know, it, like all of our differences and like the things that we fight about, they can all be like, we can talk through these things like the most important thing is like, I don't want to lose you. And, and so wow. he came, you know, he came back and yeah, kind of was like, you know, there was conviction in that there was, there's something different in him. You think that changed when he said those things? Yeah. A lot of people will say that when you lose a parent, it changes you, especially if it's at a younger age. And, you know, Nick was 39 or 38 when his dad passed. And, um, 
and you know, and his dad was young and, um, and he's the oldest of his siblings and, and they're very close. They have a beautiful family. And yeah, I think it just, I think it just helped him to, to, um, grow up a little bit and, and see like what he wanted in life, you know? Inside of you is brought to you by Shopify. You know, I use Shopify. You guys go on the, you know, inside of you online store and you see how easy it is to navigate for you. It's so amazing. Shopify. I can't think of anyone else that would do this uh, the right way like Shopify does. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. It's so easy to navigate. And when you want to add discounts, like for instance, I just had a discount where I put uh, Michael 15 and that was my discount code. How much of a percent? 15% off the total order. Easy. Adding products. It's so easy. You put a picture. You just upload a picture. You put a description. It, it, it does everything for you. And the analytics are so easy to use. Uh, this is the most selling product. Oh, I should get more of those. This is the least selling product. This is how much I made for this month compared to last year or last month. It's so easy to navigate. I feel like a pro and Shopify has really helped me do that. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash inside, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. Inside of you is brought to you by Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And look, hair thinning impacts a lot of us, myself included. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol helps support hair growth from within by targeting possible key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and even metabolism. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp as menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many possible root causes at play and Nutrafol helps address them through a multi-targeted whole body approach. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrafol's own clinical studies, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrafol's own clinical study, 72% of men 
saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months. And 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplements for six months. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific possible root causes. With Nutrafol, getting help building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day. You could see results in three to six months. Take the first step to help you see visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter promo code INSIDE. Find out why 4,500 professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, Dot com promo code inside that's neutrafall.com promo code inside so tell me if i'm wrong but you you go out to la we fast forward things you know his his, his father passes away he has this this thought of you're, you're the one this is it we've got to do this you guys are together you move out to la am i right about this you stayed at zach braff's guest house while you were shopping for a house yeah well we stayed at Zach Braff's guest house because we were still paying rent in our New York City apartment. Um, we were subletting it, but not for the whole amount. And um, and Zach is so generous and he loves us so much that he was like, stay at my house for free and just kind of like get your feet wet. We had no, we had a goal of buying a home one day, but it definitely wasn't like we have everything set in place to buy a home. We were just right. more so it was just like, we're going to stay at Zach's. We can live there for free. We can save our money and see if we like living in LA. And then we happened to find a home that we could barely afford and we bought it. And how soon after was, was little Elvis conceived? Well, Elvis was conceived um, right before we moved to LA. He was conceived. He was, well, he was born in June. We moved to LA in September. Right. So now you got this yeah. little munchkin around. You're trying to find yeah. a place. You finally got a place. And then things are things seems things seem pretty damn good at this point. Yeah. Well, even well to 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 just give a funny anecdote. When we first moved into Zach's guest house, this two bedroom, two bath cottage that he owns, he was living there because his main house was being completely renovated. You know, I live and, like right around the corner. Yes. yes anyway, but course. go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So. Um, as his home was supposed to be finished, but as you know, everybody that's gone through construction knows if they say it'll be done in May, it'll be done in September. Mm -hmm. So he, his house is running late. So we have our plane tickets. We're coming. Nick is opening rock of ages. And Zach's like, we're all going to live together for like two weeks. So <laughs> it was me, Nick, my, our Elvis, our two dogs, Zach and his dog all living in the two bedroom two bath guest cottage. Then oh my God. Zach's girlfriend Florence arrives. And so then it's Zach and Florence, their dog, Nick, Elvis, and I, and our two dogs all living happily together. <laughs> I mean, what the, f I mean, are, who, who went crazy first had to be Zach. Ironically. No, Zach loved it. Zach is used to living by himself. And so he all of a sudden had this big family where every night we were cooking dinner and eating together, drinking wine and having a bowl. He was like, oh. not even wanting to go. Thank God for Florence. Cause Florence came in and was like, 
we're moving into your house. These people need their space. We need our space. We're doing this. And so um, it, 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 she, she was a saving grace. I mean, we all actually did get along living together so well, and it was really, really fun. It just was hard with the baby because Nick and I and Elvis were all in one room together. I mean, it was, it was tough and it was tough yeah. on me. I went through a little postpartum, but we actually all did. I mean, you know, again, you look back retrospectively and you're like, Oh my God, like that time was so magical that we were all living together at Zach's house. You know? I always look at those times. I had times where my friend Tom and Deneen stayed with me up while I was filming Smallville and we lived in a houseboat and they stayed with me for months on end. And those are the happiest times of my life. I feel like, yeah. you know, I live alone, you know, I have a dog, but I do get lonely. I'd like to entertain. I like to people to come over. I like to barbecue and hang out and movie nights. And, you know, my grandmother's always like, when are you going to get someone? When are you going to have a kid? This is the best thing in the world for you. What are you? And I'm like, I'm not doing this just so I can, so to make you happy. That's what I always think. <laughs> and then I have the kid and then you end up dying. I, you know, you're, you're 93 years old. I don't want to. And we have these conversations probably every week. But there is there is a sense of uh, I, I don't know what it is security some comfort having people you love around you and it just the, yeah. that warm feeling that that it presents so um, ironically we all lived together very very well and really never once had a weird spat I mean we all really respected each other's space and had a really great time right it was very fun. so yeah. sorry to get a little a little dark but like we know the inevitable but. You know, when did this first start where Nick started to get sick and you, I mean, we won't, we won't go through it entirely, but like, we'll skip over some things, but like, you know, I, I'm sure you were thinking this is not a big deal in the beginning, correct? Like this is a young guy you, you never had, you explain. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, I, it was weird. Nick, I think was a bit of a hypochondriac with sickness. So he was saying from day one, I have he was, I have this thing, I have this thing, is what he kept saying. And because his only symptom was that he was tired, I was like, no, you don't. And, and it all started on my birthday night. And um, and then, then, you know, for the next two weeks, he basically just slept all day, every day. But yeah, I was not worried about it because I was like, this isn't a symptom of COVID. So you definitely don't have COVID. You can smell, you can taste, you don't have a fever. You're not coughing. You're just tired. I thought he was depressed, which Nick could easily go into, uh, you know, because he's he's a performer, he's a musician, and everything in that world just got, you know, in right. all of our worlds got Closed cut off, off right. especially that. So, um, yeah, I didn't think anything of it. And when did you realize this, this is something? I didn't get extremely worried until, um, like, the night before we I took him to the emergency room. Um, that would have been March 29th. And um, I got worried because his breathing was really bad. For the first time, I was like, you can't breathe. Like, you're having a, a hard time, like, walking from the kitchen table to the sofa, which is, like, 12 feet. Like, what's, you know, that's when I got scared. Right. 
And when but did even you- when I took him to the emergency room, I was like, I'll pick you up in two hours. I was like, I, I literally was like, I'll just not walk around Third Street with Elvis. I'll pick you up in a couple hours. And so what do they say? They, they, they He's in the emergency rooms. Doctor calls you or calls you in? No, no. They, they I called you. They called you. You can't go anywhere. So they call you. Yeah. And what do they say? Nick called me. The doctor didn't even call me. Nick called me and he said, Amanda, they want to keep me overnight. They're going to put, they put me on some oxygen to help me with my breathing. They want to do some further tests. They're testing me for COVID. And they're keeping me here overnight just to make sure I'm okay. And I was like, oh, okay, gosh. All right, well, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Again, not being like, I don't know. And he had no real pre-existing conditions. Nothing. I mean, it's just. He was never sick. Nick never was sick. He was like, if he had a cold, it was like, wow, you have a cold? I mean, he was like, never sick. So jump ahead when you realize this this is really serious. And I can't believe I'm going through this shit. I didn't think it was really serious until the day um, that they called and told me that he died on the table for two minutes because, and I'll say that because the, the 10 days leading up to that, when he was in the ICU, even though the ICU was scary, every day I was getting reports back from Nick's doctor that he's doing great. We're, pro- we're progress progress every day. Numbers are looking great. We'll take him off the ventilator on, you know, Thursday. He'll be home by the next Wednesday. Like, doing great, Amanda. Everything's great. And so I was like, okay. So I was, you know, hanging out with Elvis, trying to, like, be the best single parent I could be and uh, managing everything at home, trying to manage my fitness business because that was the only thing that was making money for us at the time. So I was just like, you know, great. He'll be home by Wednesday and boy, this, this has been crazy, you know, but wow. So they just keep throwing kind of false hope at you kind of, well, or, or maybe not even false hope. They're throwing things no. at you that this is going to be okay. That was the truth. He was progressing. Everything was going great. He was going to get off the ventilator. Everything was literally like if it was on the incline of like, we're going to, he's going to be completely fine. And then they called the morning um, uh, of April 10th and said, you know, the exact opposite that overnight he spiked a fever, his heart stopped, he went into septic shock, and he's on an hour, like a minute to minute basis, and every hour counts. We'll let you know. And I was like, that's when I was like, what, you know? I just got like chills. Like it just, I, I'm shocked, and I know the story. I mean, I know what ends up happening. But it's it's absolutely got to be the most shocking thing to ever hear when you think, okay, my husband's going to be back and things are getting better, and then all of a sudden, hey, this is this is life, and this is what just happened. Yeah, yeah. And how long after did it take before uh, before he passed? Well, that was April tenth, and then so July fifth he passed. So, yeah. It was a good long, um, I mean, it was like around 95 days. I mean, from when he was in the ICU on a ventilator to the day he passed. And you documented a lot of this on on Instagram. Yeah, I did. I started documenting it um, when when he went into the ICU is when I started documenting it because I was on, I was online every day offering free fitness classes and promoting my fitness business. And it felt like I was leading a double life to just be like on, you know, Insta lives every day being like, okay, guys, 
here we go, 20 minute workout, smiling and happy. Oy. And then, you know, having my husband in the ICU. So on top of, of that, also, I was like, my husband's in the ICU with apparently COVID and his only symptom was that he was sleeping. So I feel like other people should know this in case you're at home sleeping and you don't think you have COVID. So it was, you know, something I decided to go on and share because I just was leading a double life and I wanted people to know the, you know, what was going on with Nick. And I had already had like, you know, what I thought was a lot of followers at the time. I still do like 50,000 followers. And, and I am, I was a very active person on social media anyways, a very honest, like what's going on in my day kind of person on social media. So you know, it was just like natural to get on and and say what was going on. Well, I and think, then, yeah. You know, and then everything exploded. Well, I mean, to say your inspiration is just, you're on another level. And I think that's why people gravitate towards you because you have so much positivity, but you also divulge the truth. I mean, you really tell the truth. And I think, you know, that's why people like you. I think you're a great, not only super talented, but like crazy likable. And that's, that's cool. I mean, you know, and I, one of the questions I thought of was like, you know, what do you do to get through the day? And, but I remember what you said when you were going through a terrible time on Broadway and then you put your makeup on, you put this and you, I mean, how, I mean, what do you do? Do you have a routine that, cause you know, people all across the world, they, we, we, they suffer, they suffer loss every day. And, but hearing you speak, I mean, maybe they'll get something out of it. Like what is your sort of routine in the morning or what you do to, to maybe give you a little bit of uh, sunshine. I mean, I start every day with a positive thought. I put it on my Instagram. I share it with everybody. It's something I've done now for like five years. I just, the first thing I put in my head, um, I, I'm very, I'm a grateful person. I, every day I drive to CBS, I say a prayer and just like, thank God for everything that I have in my life. For the, even, even if all I can think about that day is that it's sunny, like it's a sunny day. Um, so I, I try to find those like beautiful things in the day. I exercise a lot because for me, that's like my number one mental health, like stress and anxiety reliever, put on great music, get my jump rope or start dancing or start doing anything, go on a walk. It just clears my head and puts me in like a different space. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Those that, that's kind of like my my go tos, my three go tos. Because you you do get anxiety. Do you have anxiety attacks? Do you? Yeah. And, and so so for you, uh, working out is really what helps you get that heart going, oh. get things moving. You have to do it. If yes. you don't do that, you're going to fall yes. apart. Yes, hundred percent. It's like the it's it, to me it it's the best thing you can do for yourself. You can either sit there and ponder and let your head go, or you can get up put some music on so it distracts those thoughts and just like focus on moving your body and using it and breathing and circulating your blood and just, you know, doing things. What do you do when you start to go down a dark path? When you start to go, Oh my God, why me? Why this, why this, all those, those feelings come up and you just feel like it was yesterday that happened. Probably you feel like that every day, but what, how do you stop that? It depends. Sometimes I'll be honest. Sometimes, uh, I just have to let myself go down that dark path for a smidge. So like the last time that happened was Nick's anniversary. Um, this past, you know, July 5th was a really hard day for me. I spent like the first probably four hours in bed. Um, I just was like, I was at the beach. I was in a beautiful resort at Cabo. I put the black shades down and I just cried and laid in bed and felt sorry for myself. Then 
I was like, okay, I can't do this all day because when I'm, I'm not serving Nick's memory by doing this. I'm not making, I'm not being uh, a good mom by doing this. I'm not even making myself feel good by doing this. So I did a, um, I did a guided meditation session with uh, a girlfriend of mine, which really, really helped kind of get me out of my funk. And then I went out to the pool and played with Elvis, which got my mind off of things. And then um, I did some self-care and I got a, a massage and I just uh, forced myself to, to do things, to, to do, do things that make me happy. Like when Nick passed, it was my goal every day to do one thing a day that made me happy, one. And that's all, if, it, if one led to 10, that was great. But if one and I was done and then I went back to crying, at least I did one thing that day that made me happy. And how often do you hear from Zach Braff? Oh, all the time. He's my neighbor. And, uh, you know, we're all the, he's one of my best friends in the entire world. We, we hang out and talk all the time. Yeah. He's a really good soul. Yeah, um, he is. this has been really amazing. It's been, you know, uplifting at times. And then, you know, it's obviously what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing that happened. And I, and I just, I just love what you're doing. Um, this is, I have a Patreon account. And so I have these wonderful patrons that get to ask questions. It's called shit talking. Oh. So these are just rapid fire. You could just be quick. If you can, Sophie M, I see you join the talk. Do you have a, a dream guest you'd like to interview? Oh, um, Michelle Obama or Julia Roberts or Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston, really? That's a big one. You're a big fan of hers? Oh, I do. I really like her. Cindy H, how have your family and friends rallied for you? Any any special stories you're comfortable with sharing? Is there one story in particular that you that just you think of when you think of your family or your friends? Yeah, my really good friends, Molly and Trevor Tuttle and Jono Hart. From day one, when Nick got sick, they they knew how important music was to lift your spirits. And and they all of a sudden would just show up at like the most magical times. You'll read about it in the book. In Trevor's truck covered in twinkle lights and Jono, you know, arranging Nick's song and just playing, playing songs for us and singing Nick's song and then singing outside our door. I mean, it was like out of a movie. Couldn't write it. I love it. Um, so the book is Live Your Life. It's a memoir. It's a New York Times bestseller. You guys got to get this. Uh, we only touched, didn't even scratch the surface of what, you know, she talks about. She's going to talk about in this book or that she does write about in this book. Um, Leanne P says, I think this sums it up. You are a kind and beautiful woman, both inside out. You bring joy to so many. And I just want to say thank you for spending the time with me. I really, I really appreciate it. And I feel like I got to know you a little bit. So thank you. And, and all my best to you and Elvis and the family and your friends and your career. I wish you the absolute best. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me today. Finally, I got you on here. Thank you for listening. I uh, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Amanda was wonderful, wasn't she? She's very nice, yeah. Great story about the Rockettes, which which I kept saying Rockset. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? I do that. I, I tend to mix up words. I think we all do that every once in a while, don't we? Rockset. Rockset. Well, Rockset <laughs> was a band in the 80s, which we... Uh, which we talked about, but it wasn't, yeah. she was in the rock yet. She did. She's done so much and she's so inspirational and her Instagrams are pretty, uh, pretty wonderful. She's, she's great. Yeah. If my mom met her, she'd say, why don't you marry her? I'm like, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I don't, my grandmother would say the thing. Why are you single? Why are you 49? Why, why they, are you they still say, single? Why are You're you? a great guy, Michael. They ask, why are you 49? 
Yeah, why are you 49? Why? Like I have a choice. <laughs> Thank you again for uh, listening to the podcast. Again, if you want to follow us on the Instagram, Twitter, and all that stuff, it's at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Inside of You Pod on the Twitter. Uh, you can watch the show on YouTube. I appreciate you guys writing a review, watching, listening, all that stuff. Um, and also, if you want to go to the online store, it's the Inside of You online store. And you can get tons of merch, Funko Pop, Lex Luthor things. There's just so much you could get on there. Just take a look. It's a lot of fun. And also my band, sunspin.com. You could book a Zoom with me, for God's sakes. And uh, you could uh, book the band and get cool merch there. And lastly, but not leastly, is the uh, the Patreon. Um, just go to patreon.com slash inside if you want to join. Help the podcast out a little more. It really helps. If you're enjoying this and you want to help a little more, uh, there's nothing like it. Uh, patreon.com slash inside of you. Uh, also, I should mention, I'm going to be at Dragon Con in Atlanta September 4th, that weekend, the Saturday and Sunday. And then um, September 11th weekend, I will be in Lexington, Kentucky. And September... I believe 24th, hey, check me on that, but I'll be at the Mountaineer Con in West Virginia. So three cons coming up in September. Just me, check my Twitter at inside at my, the, at Michael Rosenbum because they couldn't, I didn't have enough for the letters Baum, so I had to put Rosenbum. Right. What the hell is that about? Let's get into it. Let's uh, read the top Patreons. These are people who give uh, a little bit more and substantially help the podcast. Nancy D, Leah S, Trisha F, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Mama G, Nico P, Jerry W, Robert B, Jason W, Apothean, Kristen. Okay. Gosh, yeah, I could just throw that at him. He just nails it. Amelia O, Allison L, Raj. C. Joshua D, Emily S, CJP, Samantha M, Jennifer N, Stacy L, Jen S, Jamal F, Janelle. B. Kimberly E, Mike E. El Don Supremo 99 more Ramira Santiago M Sarah F Chad W Leon P Janine R Ray A Maya P Maddie S Shannon D Matt W Belinda N James James R Chris H Dave H Spider-Man Chase Sheila G Brad D Ray H <laughs> Tap of the T Tom N Liliana A uh, Michelle K Hi Michael S Talia M Betsy D Claire M, Laura L, Chad L, Rochelle, Nathan E, Marion E, Meg K, Janelle P, Trav L, Dan N, O. Ajeta. 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 Lorraine G, Veronica K, Big Stevie W, Kendall T, Carol D, Angel M, Rhiannon C, Corey K, Super Sam, Emily C, Coleman G, Dev Nexon, Michelle A, Liz L, Jeremy C, Andy T. A few more left here of the top tier patrons that get their name read off at the end of every episode. And they're wonderful and they really help the podcast. Uh, Cody R, Sebastian K, Gavinator, Ann H, David C, Elliot M, John B, Brandy D, Yavor, Camille S, Bono or Bano. Hi, Bano. I messed it up, didn't I? V, C, the C. Huh. Joey M and PT Scarborough. Those are the top tier patrons, folks. And uh, I'm sorry, I didn't know we had an oil baron. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it was? Yeah. The PT Scarborough. <laughs> That's a, what, a, what a name that is. You're going to be, you got to be really rich to have that name, I think. <laughs> uh, I love doing this. I love you guys listening. Uh, I've been doing it for a while now. I love all the support. I love all the messages. Um, I may not get back to all your messages right away. It takes me some time. Um, I'm busy, as I know you are, but I certainly appreciate the support and are aware of all of you listening and watching and all that. So um, keep listening. Tell your friends, email them, text them, make sure they listen and watch the show. 
uh, from the Hollywood Hills in, in the Los Angeles, California. <laughs> uh, I'm Michael Rosenbaum, waving to that camera up there. I'm Ryan. I'm waving at the camera. I'm waving up and, to the camera. You guys are great. Thank you for allowing to be inside of each and every one of you. I hope you have a glorious week and uh, much love to you. All right. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.